Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is June 14th, 2019. It's Friday, and just like I said yesterday, after my show, uh, there was going to be some news happening, and things will just be exponentially going up till, you know, Fire Friday. Now, we had a lot of developments Obviously, we had Pompeo come out and talk about Iran. Uh, We had uh, our press secretary announce that she's leaving the White House. There are a lot of changes coming in, new faces coming in. And that is all about change. In order to progress, in order to move forward, and in order to uh, address new challenges or to... um, I would say make your agenda malleable. Uh, You need to constantly uh, have uh, new input, new air coming in uh, so you you lack rigidity, right? Now, um, Sarah was amazing. Uh, She did a really good job. Uh, She was very um, pleasant, straightforward, and, you know, she handled a very hostile mainstream media very very well so I look forward to seeing what comes next I kind of feel bad that I never got to go to a White House event where she was there and probably brought one of her pies I hear she makes amazing pies Uh, so I I'm excited to see what comes next for her But I'm also excited to see what new blood we are bringing in, what new people we are bringing in, and what people that have served our country and not will enter in order to um, give more of a solid push to what we've been striving for. Now, what we've noticed is, is that when our president announces that he will be negotiating, that he will be uh, doing a deal, that he will be dealing with an issue. When he tells you, it's usually already done. Uh, You know, from North Korea, where he was tweeting about buttons and pretty much gaslighting the mainstream media. And uh, that was all for show, because as we know, everything was already being done in the background. When we were concerned about Nellie Orr and the spies that she had placed uh, within uh, our own uh, foreign service offices, uh, the embassies, what did we see? He already knew because they were arrested and removed because they were monitored. There are many times, and this is, uh, you know, 
pretty much the strategy you do when you don't seem to understand the methodology. Remember, I said it's always about exposing method, right? It's not so much picking out the bad players or picking out those covert players. It's figuring out how they are doing it. How are they funded? Who's behind it? Uh, You know, where do they meet? What do they eat? You know, all these little details. So when you come across another level of, whoa, did that just happen? What do you do? You don't fight, fight it head on because obviously there's another method that you have not seen. Another method that you didn't expect that may be so, you know, that makes you think, well, that's incredible. Why would you have the audacity to do something like this? So what do you do at that point? You roll with the punches, you roll with the waves. So that way you can see where it's landing and that way you can see where it's coming from. And this is how a plan is executed. Like I've said before, in the art of war, right, there's a phrase. It says, you win the war and then you fight. Those that fight to win the war have already lost. Now we as a nation have won the war by electing President Donald J. Trump. And now what we're doing is fighting to maintain that victory. Uh, and we're, while the others are fighting the war that they've already lost. Placing President Trump as president has terminated something that they've been telling you is coming about, something that they've been telling you is their plan for so many years. But unfortunately, people tune out and don't pay attention. And it's at that point that, you know, I I, I like to tell people that if you can't see it, and you can't hear it anymore, if you can't hear them telling you in your face exactly what they are doing, then you have lost that ability for critical thinking. There's a, there's a book that I would totally recommend uh, for people to grab a copy of. It's by Jeremy Stone. It's called History of the Deep State. I want to play a clip where he's put together a compilation of the history of the deep state. And I want you to listen to every single person on this. So that way you can understand just how incredible it is that we finally have President Trump in office. Take a listen. When we are successful, we will be. We have a real chance at this new world order, an order in which a credible United Nations can use its peacekeeping role to fulfill the promise and vision of the UN family. The affirmative task we have now is uh, is to actually um, uh, create uh, uh, a new world order. After 1989, President Bush said, and it's a phrase that I often use myself, that we needed them. And the hope that each of us has to build a new world order. The pieces are in flux. Soon they will settle again. Before they do, let us reorder this world around us. In the next four years, we will see the emergence of a new international order. The beginning. Of a new international 
Never before has a new world order had to be assembled from so many different perceptions or on so global a scale. We've got to give them a stake in creating the kind of uh, uh, world order that I think all of us would like to see. The world order has no legitimacy. And that we as a people are not afraid, and we are waking up to the robber barons and the big banks who are ruining our economy with the Federal Reserve. Bro. We just want to let you know the New World Order has no legitimacy and that we as a people are not afraid and we are waking up to the robber barons and the big banksters who are looting this economy with the Federal Reserve. Well... That was a compilation. That's like his advertisement. Totally love it. And I like the music in the background that goes with it. But at the end, there was a gentleman that had approached Rothschild and stated that, made that statement saying that we, the people aren't intimidated. Like there's no legitimacy to your new world order. There is none. And he gave him the most creepiest uh, smile ever. I am retweeting that now on Twitter so you guys can take a look at the video yourselves. It's a really creepy uh, response. I had seen that before. But we have to remember, obviously, this compilation stopped at, you know, Obama. But we saw Merkel saying it a few times in the past two years within the European uh, Parliament. We saw Macron making that statement. We saw Obama just about a month ago in Berlin making that that statement. We saw uh, Theresa May making that statement. They are all making these statements. And that is what war we've already won. Because the United States was lead to it. That was their plan. Kissinger in an interview said, no, we're going to see the beginning in four years from now. And that interview was from a while back. And yes, indeed, the rollout started with Bush 41. That was when the rollout started to happen and it was accelerated. What people didn't realize is during the 2016 uh, campaign elections, Obama was trotting around pushing the idea of the North American Union with, uh, you know, Nieto, you know, the guy that got $100 million from El Chapo, you know, the old president of Mexico that lined his pocket with cartel money, you know, and Trudeau, where they were saying, uh, we can't wait to have a borderless continent. This is not what we want. Individuality is what promotes progress what promotes innovation we should be proud to be individual Mexicans should be proud to be Mexican with all their cultural nuances with their work ethic with their you know whatever religious beliefs the way they operate they, they should be proud just like Canadians well I don't know Canadians are a little bit confused right are they French British who knows but every single country should have their individuality because it's when all those individual uh, perspectives and different cultural backgrounds come together in one room to solve a problem that we actually get a solution. So considering that, if there is this new global order, obviously they, they want it. Obviously that's the plan. The European Union was the test ground, right? The test ground. And now that President Trump has been elected, they have grown so aggressive. It is ridiculous to the point where they had, you know, insurance policies set 
that were coordinated by our own former administration to ensure that no one who is not aligned with this plan is elected. No one. I mean, Cruz was. He's, he's, he's old guard. Okay? He's part of it. We can start going into the history of his dad and whatnot, but we won't. It was always Trump. It was always him. They knew that he was going to run. They knew when he ran, it would be a problem. And they knew that he would expose the things that should never be exposed. And indeed, that will be his achievement. And they will stop at nothing. And, you know, one might say, well, wouldn't it be great if we just had one planet and one government and one currency and one, uh, you know, language? Sure. 20 years live in harmony, then they're going to have to create factions like sections in, 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 uh, in the world. And they might be per continent and they will be responsible for specific portions of the economy. We've seen this before on a smaller scale in the movies. What is it? Um, hunger games where they had section this that was doing coal mining oil. And then section this was doing breads, pastries and all that. And everyone was miserable and everyone was stuck in that area to do that. So basically they were just there to produce for the main section. And those are the ones that run the planet or the nation. That's the way it usually is. I mean, look at our government. Look at the people that run us. Are any of them average citizens? Do you not feel that we work, we produce, we pay taxes, and they are the only ones being enriched? Am I mistaken? This is fact. So this is something people need to understand. It's not a tinfoil theory. They're telling you this. They are telling you this on the news. They've been telling you this for years. It's the fact that you just don't understand anymore. Your brain is unable to understand what they're telling you. You have lost the ability to have critical thinking and to identify things that are like, well, hold on a second. Kind of like where CNN was like, socialism is a great idea, but we need to change the word. We need to find a new word because that word for, it still triggers people with 1984 uh, type uh, you know, semantics and thoughts. They're telling you that they're going to redefine the word socialism. They are telling you this. And yet people sit there saying, oh, yeah, you know, socialism is good. Maybe we need to change the name. You know, this is, you know, horrible. This is horrible from the fact that you don't have your own perspective anymore. You can't see it. That's where it's horrible. So imagine... They've gone through so much to ensure that everything is done the way it is. And I've told you before, you always use the same template, right? If it works, why not reuse the same strategy, right? We saw it with Nixon, you know, when he decided, well, this is kind of nefarious. I don't know if I want to play. So they used it on him. The same, uh, you know, uh, template was used on Bush uh, 43 in order to whip him into submission and understand that you are not in charge of the White House. We are. And if you don't listen to our policies, we take you down. The only reason they didn't take down Bush 43 is because he's Bush 41's son. But they whipped him into submission. I mean, Mueller and Comey did a great number. And in the end, they just targeted Scooter Libby to take the, take the blow of it. And here we go again. Same template applied to the Trump administration. Only this time it's Russia, right? Russia. 
So again, like I said yesterday, this Iran attack, totally a template. We've seen it before. We've used it before. But yet people forget because no one's going to talk about it. No one's going to refresh your memory that these explosions in merchant waters have happened before. <laughs> totally, totally before. And it was an operation done by the United States and the European Union. And at that time, uh, it was the NATO allies and the Soviet Union that were concerned about what was going on in the Gulf and that they needed to take care of. This was a very well-planned CIA plan out to the T. And this is how we suddenly got permission to come into Kuwait. We suddenly got permission to penetrate the Middle East. And this is how we took them down one by one. We destroyed Iraq, took over. We destroyed Libya, took over. And then we attempted to destroy Syria so that way we can flip the wave onto Iran and get it done with. But the Syrian war was not complete. And unfortunately for their plan, President Trump was elected. So this, you know, has to be well understood. It's all about the plan. It's all about him throwing a wrench in it. And no, they don't want peace talks. They already have this planned out. How dare you involve yourself? And only on the 31st of May, just a little over two weeks ago, just exactly 14 days ago, the EDA, the European Defense Association, got together and stated that they are creating an EU army. That they have 23 states of the EU that are complying and will be providing this army, not so much to, you know, go against NATO, but to enrich in it. And like I told you, there is an express application that will bypass EU parliament to include Turkey into that. Why did the Polish prime minister, why did he come to the United States? Why is Poland in the U.S. again? Why did they come? Because Poland said no. Poland said, if Russia is such a big threat, we'd like troops, American troops. We will allow for a base. You can come and hang out here. We already know what they're doing. The problem is, is you can't call them out. And you can't seem like you know everything. Right? You can't. I mean, they know you know, and you know they know you know. But you got to play, it's kind of like frenemies, right? You got to play correctly. And you have to use, um, you know, you have to use honey to attract bees that sting, right? And this is what we're trying to do is, is lay out that honey and say, all right, guys, listen, this plan, you're saying it, whatever, don't like it. President Trump made it clear when he gave his UN speech, if you remember, he said, why are you not looking after your own countries? Why are you not proud of your own countries? Why do you want to make them all vanilla? What is wrong with India? I am supporting the United States of America. I want my country to be independent. This is what he said. They didn't like that. They actually felt embarrassed if you paid attention to their faces. Because this is the actual war that we won. Like I said, we've already won the war by appointing President Trump. So imagine just to ensure that he doesn't get elected or to make sure that they have enough, uh, I would say, um, drive or fuel or excuses to overthrow him, right? 
they've created, they've mobilized all their intelligence agencies to obfuscate, you know, obviously where this information was coming from by compiling false information and trying to frame the president going as far as to calling him a Russian agent. They did all of this to remove him. Why? Because him being elected is us winning the war. And now they're fighting the war they lost to regain ground. So they won't stop there. He was headed to North Korea, remember? Who shot the missile at Air Force One? Who intervened to save us? These are the things we should be asking ourselves. Oh, wait, what missile? MSM didn't report it? Of course not. How many attempts are on our president's life almost every day? They know they can't come out and pull a JFK this time because they know they'll have a civil war. You don't want a civil war because you know what? The military is going to be the first that's going to draw their guns against the left. They will not allow something like this to happen. And I can tell you, the minute President Trump is no longer in office, people like you and I, will be rounded up and thrown into re-education camps. Oh, that's going to be a new thing. They learned a few things or two, didn't they? Re-education camps. You know those FEMA camps that Obama was building? Right. Re-education camps. They have a lot of those in China. A lot of them in South Korea. Wonder where South Korea is. Why haven't they been more visible on their stance and discussions of what's going on? Curious, right? Very curious. So now we have uh, created a more amicable situation in dialogue with the Far East. The Far East that is rich in history, the Far East that is rich in resources, and the Far East that houses the majority of this planet's population. So we have created amicable ties, and the next step is to do what? It is to regulate the infiltration to Africa, regulate The black oil that is the majority found within the Middle East. Obviously, we know that's not the biggest source. It's actually Venezuela. But for now, it is one of the most rich in in many sources, in, in many resources. And it allows... For Western nations like Europe and um, Far East nations to easily penetrate Africa, which is highly, highly rich in natural resources, minerals, precious metals, you name it. And this is the reason it's 2019 and it's still a damn dark continent. Like no power company is thought to invest in powering Africa. They would be rich. No company has done business to do so. Why? Because it's better if you keep them in the dark. That way, by the time you come in, you're so far advanced, they can't resist. So these are all the fronts that we are dealing with. We've created the uh, dialogue, the open dialogue with Russia and the Far East. And now we're working on the Middle East and we've started with Saudi Arabia, which is the most, um, I would say, opportunist nation. Okay, so they're not... Uh, morally driven. Well, they do have a better moral compass based on their culture, right? Arabs do in general. They do have a moral compass, though not one that all of us may agree, but it is a foundation of their, you know, being culturally. 
but they are also opportunists. And what they see is that this is the opportunity to maintain their sovereignty, maintain their culture and keep their way of life. Because if this is to work and stop it in its track and not have this new global order that they've been telling you they want, then that works for them. They're happy about that. So this is why they're on board. Only reason why. Uh, you know, other than that, they had no choice. They just had to play nice. You know, if you actually watch videos of Barack Hussein Obama, Clinton, Bush, visiting countries like Russia, you know, Saudi Arabia, you'll see that they're not even, sometimes they wouldn't even shake their hand because they loathe them because they are evil. They don't seek to give freedom. They seek to have control and to organize the population. They seek to tell you what's best for you because you don't know. You're their pet. Look in New York. Mandatory vaccinations. What? From the time the government can tell you what you can put in your body, you are no longer free. And this is, you know, I don't care if you're an anti-vaxxer or a pro-vaxxer. I don't care. The bottom line is liberty, right? And your rights, At the moment, the government is telling you, you have no freedom when it comes to this. So they've taken that away from you and you comply. Why? Why are you so adamant about me getting back? Oh, because you may cause harm to others. Well, mm -hmm. prove it. We can't because, you know, that would be putting others at risk. So you just take their word for it. I'm not saying don't get vaccinated. I'm saying let's look at the liberty questions here. How are you free when they can tell you what you put in your own body? You're not. Right after the break, we're going to shift gears based on this first half hour to elaborate what has been going on. Elaborate the Iran curious situation and more. I'll see you all in a few. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our legal defense fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you, and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978-855-700-2978-855-700-2978. That's 855 700 2978. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? 
Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's one 800 961 Promo code Red State. Put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit mypillow.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. So for this half hour, I just want to talk about our president. I've given you the groundwork in the first half hour to understand what we're going to be uh, analyzing in the last half hour, which is I'm going to tell you exactly who stands to benefit from what happened in Iran yesterday and why and make sense of what is being said by both the crew what is being said by Pompeo, what is going on in Syria today with Russia and everything else in between. Because unfortunately, our mainstream media doesn't seek to educate you. They seek to implant thoughts. So on that note, I want to play a special little song just for our president. the great Marilyn Monroe singing it for an awesome president back in the day who was victim of that corrupt organization that was created in the 40s, uh, JFK. So today is our president's 73rd birthday. Uh, 73 is actually a number that I uh, love. Uh, It's very dear to me uh, for whatever reason. Everyone has like numbers they like, right? And it's something that always pops up in my life for whatever reason. Today is also the U.S. Army's 244th birthday. 
And it's also Flag Day, which is the 242nd year that it's being celebrated. Uh, See that we had the U.S. Army and then the U.S. flag came two years later, right, to be celebrated. So all three things are celebrated today. Uh, President Trump, who is going to be remembered as one of the greatest presidents in U.S. history. That's if they allow us to. Right. Because they always rewrite history, don't they? They tell us uh, how history really happens and um, they write books. I've told you this. This is why Comey wrote a book. This is why Clinton wrote a book. This is why Michelle wrote. This is why Acosta wrote a book. Like, seriously, he was at a book signing and no one was there. He was just signing books. They write books because books remain through time. Right. And unless you burn them all. Remember how. Hitler was burning books. Why? You burn history. You can, you know, write the future a lot easier because people can't learn from lessons in the past. Anyway, so it's his birthday. Today he was on uh, Fox and Friends talking. Uh, He said, uh, you know, great things. I thought I'd uh, play a couple of minutes uh, in the beginning of what he spoke about and uh, what he had to say about Iran. So take a listen in case you missed it this morning. Here we go. Celebrate. Well, I think I'll just work if you want another picture. <laughs> when nope. you say celebrate. Oh, that's not you got to have a cake or something. Celebrate. What about a cake? <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll have a little piece of cake tonight. But in the meantime, uh, we're doing a lot of things. We're doing a lot of good things. A lot of things that are turning out to be very good for our country. Right. I enjoy that doing more. That's uh, better than taking it easy. There's always going to be plenty of time to take it easy, I guess. And if you don't mind, on that note, uh, Esquire magazine did this story, and they say, well, the President Trump, the truth is, according to insiders, he likes running for president, but he hates the job. No, I love the job. Well, it's the fake media. You know, they're just so fake. You don't even respond to them anymore. No. I love it because I don't think anybody's accomplished so much in two and a half years what we've done. You know, I watched Natalie Harp, that young, beautiful woman who was... Cancer. They made some kind of a medical mistake a long time ago, and she's lived a tough time. And I watched her. I think she's one of the best guests you've ever had. She was so, her spirit was so incredible. And it was about right to try. And I got right to try approved. They've been trying to get it for 44 years approved, and they couldn't. And I got it done where people that have a real problem, people that are terminally ill in many cases, that uh, only people really at, at a certain level, they couldn't go and use any of our great medicines, any of our great genius that we have. And we have the greatest in the world medically and in other ways, too. And I think she was just one of your great guests. I, I thought well, and just to confirm, amazing. Mr. President, if anyone missed it, uh, Natalie Harp's got this rare bone cancer and they basically were just getting her ready to die and try to give her opioids to make the pain less. And she didn't want to. And you became president. She had the right to try. She tried some experimental drugs and she's living with cancer back to work worked out of pain out of and, her wheelchair. and she has a shot at, at a great life. She says she's alive because of you, Mr. President. Yeah, she's got a great shot. And, and, you know, many other people are like that, where right to try has helped them, where, you know, they used to go to Asia, they'd go all over the world looking for a cure. Now they can stay home and we have the best medicines, but they'd be in, you know, in a line where you have to wait. It has to be approved and you wouldn't be able to give it to anybody. Now we're able to do that. And it was a complex process, believe it or not. But for 44 years, they tried and they couldn't get it. We got it. And gotcha. there's so many people like Natalie. But I thought she was just an incredible person. All right. 
And I just wanted to make a note on right to try so we understand what that means. Um, and this is actually quite dear to my heart. A lot of patients that have uh, illnesses that are terminal, specifically that of cancer, when they come to a certain point where the medicine that they have can't assist them, there are clinical trials that are being held in uh, various states, universities, and, you know, private clinics, right? Private research labs, biohackers as they call them, because what? They're not funded by big pharma. And so just so that you understand why right to try wasn't allowed is, is that most of these research trials, like uh, the newest trend in uh, cancer therapy is immunotherapy, using your immune system, using antigen therapies, uh, you know, to fight cancer, to recognize it as something bad, and then your immune system doing the job. So... The thing is, is that indeed there's a long list. You have to qualify because it's a clinical trial. And all these rules are set out by the FDA because they monitor drug companies. So the drug companies are under strict rules who they can insert into these cohorts or trials, right? And then that is all they can get it. You can be dying and you could be great as a candidate, but you could be a year older or you can't um, travel there or, um, you know, you're a female and they need a male to balance it out, you're cut. Because that's what the FDA says because these big drug pharma companies. On the other hand, private research, stuff that I dabble with, right? You don't have to do that. You have consent from other people. They get, you know, your the funding is all from big pockets, usually because they've lost a child or a loved one uh, to that ailment. And they go through the trials and you document problem is in order for it to be an actual uh, remedy, to be a course of trial, to be able to be available to the public, the FDA wants at least 20 years of results when you are not backed by a pharmaceutical company, just so that you understand. So sometimes these research trials never make it because private Investors have to keep funding it and it costs a lot of money. So what President Trump did is he's like, all right, we've got this immunotherapy going on. I, 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 Mass General is one of the leading um, uh, research uh, facilities that, that actually offer this. Well, they have stipulations, but maybe you can get on the trial without having to fall under the recorded trial for the pharmaceutical company and get treated rather than die. So this woman was at a stage where they were offering her hospice saying, well, we'll keep you comfortable as long as we can until you die. But President Trump happened. And what happened? She got access to therapy that she responded to and she's alive and she's living with the cancer. It's not cured, but she has a quality of life and she can actually live. This is a big deal because for me, seeing people that have big, deep pockets being able to get cures where others can't is ridiculous. I remember that when I was uh, talking about my research and uh, speaking with seed investors, they would, you know, laugh at me. And I was like, you know, if you can assure that at least children uh, 21 and under can have access to this for free you know, I'm willing to hand it all over to you as long as it's available, but that's not the way it works. When you find a, or invent something, 
they get to conceal it from the the people too. And I only bring the example of um, uh, Martin Shkreli. He was the guy that raised the medication for AIDS. Do you remember how they were like, oh, how disgusting. He made it like $750 a pill. Well, here's the thing. Indeed, the pill only costs like, you know, to make a couple dollars. But that pill had been around for over 15 years and was not available to HIV patients. It was not. It was only available to a handful of people like Magic Johnson, you know, big pockets. So why wasn't it available to everybody else? Because the pharmaceutical company has no obligation to make it public. They decide who has access to it. They decide who sells it. So what did Martin Shkreli do? Thinking that nobody knows about this drug, he parked himself or his lawyers. I'm assuming it's his lawyers, not him. At midnight, right there at the patent office so he can grab the patent when it popped. And, you know, they they were none the wiser. So what did he do? He then got the drug, got the rights to it, and said, I'm charging $750 a pill. Everyone was like, this is outrageous. It was a PR scheme just to show you how they will not provide to you medications that other people have access to. Uh, This is a reality. This is something that we're going to be fighting for years and we can't change it. But the, there are people like Martin Shkreli who do these stunts, these activist stunts to bring awareness. But obviously the mainstream media paints it differently. No one said, well, if this drug was around for so long, how come people didn't get it? Like he said, no answer on that. Oh, it's disgusting. 750 a pill. So I just wanted to make mention, this is a really great achievement, uh, this Right to Try Act uh, that the president passed. Now, take a listen to what else he says. Right, let's, uh, Mr. President, talk about something in the news today. Uh, we've seen those images of the uh, oil tankers on fire out in the Gulf. And uh, Iran says, hey, don't blame us for this. Uh, we didn't do it. We think it was an accident. I know Mike Pompeo has blamed Iran. What sort of evidence do we have that they've done it? And what are we going to do about it? Well, Iran did do it, and you know they did it because you saw the boat. I guess one of the mines didn't explode, and it's probably got essentially Iran written all over it. And you saw the boat at night trying to take the mine off and successfully took the mine off the boat. And that was exposed, and that was their boat. That was them. Uh, and they didn't want the evidence left behind. I guess they don't know that we have uh, things that we can detect Mm -hmm. in the dark that work very well. So uh, we have that, and I know you put it on. So, no, it was them that did it. And, look, President Obama made a deal that was an outrage, the Iran deal, which, frankly, in five or six years in a short period of time, they'd be allowed to make nuclear weapons. They cannot have nuclear weapons. They understand they're not going to have nuclear weapons. Uh, we, we have enough problems with nuclear weapons, which is one of the great— Difficulties, frankly, if you look forward, one of the great difficulties of the world, not going to happen with them. And we'll see what happens. Well, we had, they we are, four tankers, we sir. We are being very tough. Yeah, we're being very tough on sanctions. Uh, when I came into office, uh, they were a, an absolute terror. They were all over the place. They were in Yemen. They were in Syria. We had 14 different sites of conflict. They were in charge of every single uh, every single place. And they really are. They're a, a nation of terror. 
Ah, didn't I say that? Didn't I say that they're the ones that are funding all the terrorists? We're going to revisit this later. Uh, I just want you guys to hear what he said as first talking points, because after that, it just became a little bit redundant. And uh, they've changed a lot since I've been president, I can tell you. They were unstoppable, and now they're in deep, deep trouble. Uh, they, you can't, you can't, they don't have but anything. How do you stop this act? How do you stop so these poorly. outrageous acts with 30% well, of the world's oil comes We're going to see. We're going to see how to stop. I don't think they've talked the same way. When President Obama signed that agreement, they were screaming, death to America, That's death right. to America. They were having a good time at his expense. And he's given them $150 billion, and he's given them $1.8 billion in cash. Uh, cash. Nobody ever heard of a thing like that. And all of that money, and they're screaming death to America. They haven't screamed death to America lately. So we'll see what happens. But uh, we don't take it lightly, the, that I can tell the you. The Strait of Hormuz is a critical shipping lane, and we're watching it carefully. If they try to close that, is the United States obligated to try to keep it open? Well, they're not going to be closing it. It's not going to be, if it's closed, it's not going to be closed for long. And they know it. And they've been told in very strong terms. And we want to get them back to the table if they want to go right. back. Uh, I'm ready when they are, but whenever they're right. ready, it's okay. In well, the I'll meantime, just, I'll I'm in no rush. I'll just give you I'm a quote. No they said Iran's president, well, because Abe is over there, is a good friend of yours. Japan is friends with Iran. Uh, the Iranian president says, you're not worthy of even a return message that he brought over about possible talks. What's your, what's your reaction to that? Well, I'm glad he likes me so much, but uh, <laughs> no reason why he should like me. Look, uh, I came in, uh, they were, uh, they had all the money, they had everything. They were doing just fantastically, threatening everybody. They were uh, bombing the hell out of countries. They were killing people all over the Middle East. And now, all of a sudden, they're pulling back. They're pulling back from everywhere. They're pulling back out of Syria. They're pulling back out of Yemen. They're pulling back, if you take a look at what's actually happening. Okay. And I'm not looking to hurt that country, but they can't have a nuclear weapon. It's very simple. And if you look at the Iran nuclear deal, how bad it was. We gave them all that money. And uh, in six to seven years, which for a nation is no time. That's like one second. Right. In six to seven years, they would be able to legally start making nuclear weapons. We're not going to have it. Mr. President, let's talk about uh, early this week, uh, you granted ABC and uh, George Stephanopoulos a great access. You spent a couple of days with them. And uh, one of the sound bites that they ran uh, over the last... Yeah, I don't even want to get into that because that was so rubbish anyway. As if they don't do it. The fact that they commissioned this dossier. The fact that they dig up dirt on other opponents. Come on, man. Okay, so let's talk Iran. Let's start this. So first of all, President Trump said, we saw the video. It was their boat. Right? Done. And we're going to talk about that, too. We're going to break that down. He also said that they were everywhere. They were in Syria. They were in Yemen. They were in Oman. They were everywhere. What have I said? All terrorists, Hamas, Hezbollah, Al-Shabaab, Al-Qaeda, the Taliban, you name it, are being funded by Iran. Why? Because I've told you before, they, it, they are the terror hub because they're the bankroll. This is why President Barack Obama sent $1.8 billion in multiple different currencies. One, so it can't be traced. Two, so that it can be washed perfectly. Three, to fund. We use them to fund ISIS 
when we were going in. But here's the thing. This isn't an old template, guys. Uh, this isn't something new. It's an old template. That's what I wanted to say. What we are seeing in the Hormuz Strait has been done before when we wanted to penetrate the Middle East. So, <coughs> Pardon. So think about how the Iranians feel. Think about how Ayatollahs, you know, and the Supreme Leader, etc., is saying that it's our fault that we are doing this because we have done this before. It is documented that we've done this before. Obviously, we blamed Iraq, Iran, and other nations, but it's happened before in the 80s. This is what you do. I've said it before. The only way that you can kneel a nation and take over is by what? Striking their infrastructure. How did we take out Iraq. Do you guys remember how we took out Iraq? We funded rebels within Iraq to rebel against Iraq. So as Iraq was trying to maintain their sovereignty, as Iraq was trying to fight back, we had already funded people within their nation to flip on them and frame them. We all know this now, right? Now we know this. Back then, it seemed as if they were trying to liberate Iraq. Now, the same thing is happening in Iran. We want peace talks. Iran is very, you know, doesn't want to talk because they don't trust the United States because they've seen this movie before. That's the problem. They've seen this movie before, the framing, the tanker wars. I mentioned it yesterday. And you know what? CBS was the only one that made reference to it uh, in one of their reportings. Specifically, they said, um, hold on, where it's an article that they put out about it and said, uh, you know, it reminds of the tanker wars. Uh, So it is it is pretty incredible if you think about it. I've told you that this is a strategy that has been used before. And we used it in the 80s to penetrate uh, the Middle East because in 1987, they said Iran had previously used mines against oil tankers uh, in the so-called tanker war when U.S. Navy escorted ships throughout the region. So, you know, what we saw was a video, an Iranian boat identified with Iranian IRGC um, guards, right, that we have labeled a terrorist group, taking off something from the hull of a ship. Now think of it this way. Do you really think Iran doesn't know we have perfect night vision? I mean, we just delivered helicopters about uh, a couple weeks ago to Greece for that very purpose. And I explained it to you on air and I wrote an article about it. It is for them to be able to have clear cut night vision. So number one, do you think the United States, do you think that Iran didn't know that the United States has this technology? Absolutely not. The revolutionary guard patrol that pulled up and removed the mine, you know, was blatantly there one to either. And we have to look at both options. One, retrieve it because they knew it was there and it didn't go off and they wanted to cover their tracks or two, they wanted to remove it to see who, what, when, where, and how. So there's two options, but I'm going to tell you this in Iran right now, there is so much unrest. There are the regular people that are seeking to, um, integrate with uh, 2019 culture, right? There is the supreme leader who is tired of using his nation as a front to money launder, to be the the mean guy, to have everyone attack them, right? Totally. 
And then there are the paid mercenaries within the supreme leader's ranks that are doing everything to sabotage peace talks. Because if you um, saw Iranian television where they actually interviewed them, you would see how shocked they were that that happened. And it's so funny how they're like, oh, they did this before. Ah. So after the break, I'm going to break down to you and remind you part of the Iran-Iraq war, as they call it in the 80s. That was how we got our foot into Kuwait because Kuwait persuaded us, and I'm using air quotes, right, to enter and offer protection to them. Hmm. This is how stuff happens. But the question that we're going to answer today is who stands to benefit from this? Who stood to benefit of a chemical gas attack when President Trump said he was pulling out troops? Remember, he was pulling out troops and then this chemical attack happened. And you're just like, "Mm, what a coincidence. Assad came out and said, dude, that never happened. Iraq said uh, uh, Russia said "Um, we there is no such thing. And then everybody wanted war. Let's attack Syria. Let's attack Syria. So they picked an abandoned place that had nothing in it, no chemical weapons, no nothing, shot it and said, well, we got rid of all the chemical weapons done. It was the biggest farce ever. I felt so sorry for anyone that believes that that was a real thing. And what was funny was, is that our missiles were intercepting the Europe, the French missiles. Remember that was a whole debacle. People forget so easily and it just happened right months, months ago, right? It happened. We were intercepting their own missiles. We were shooting the French missiles and said, leave it to us. We're going to do it. Don't shoot. We're going to do it. Why? Because we knew and you have to roll with the punches. It's not like you could say you're a villain. Look what you're doing. Because then it's like we were the villain too. It's really hard to tell a nation, you know, of the United States of America that our good faith, our resources, you know, funded terrorism in the Middle East, funded to get these wars, and for what? For control of the region. Pipelines, the whatnot. And you know, think about it. Who stands to benefit if the Hormuz, you know, strait is closed down? Who stands to benefit? Pretty apparent. Who stands to have problems? Everyone but the European Union, Turkey, and Iran. And in the end, the beneficiaries would be Russia and the United States. And because Russia and the United States stand to benefit, then what does that mean? Oh, they're working against the good of the people. This is why he pulled out of the deal. Long-term, don't look short-term, long-term. And I'll break that down after the break. Uh, So just let that sink in. We're rolling with the punches. We're going with their narrative. We're riding that wave because we need to see where they're going with it because we're not getting the clear method. Uh, So on that note, I'll see you all in five minutes. (laughs) See you then.
town in Tennessee, a long way from the suits in D.C., but close enough now to see this mess. Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. real news welcome back everyone to the tory says show um remember you can always find me here monday through friday 12 to do to 2 p.m eastern time on red state talk radio you can stream us online through our red state talk radio app or talk stream live or listen to us on your terrestrial airwaves where my show is being aired. And I do know that in some states, uh, they pull my feed later on in the evening too. But um, I wanted to just continue on this Iran thing because I need people to understand uh, the what's really going on behind it. Because right now, today, we have Russia meeting with Assad, talking about Syria. We know we have a big problem in Syria with Idlib. And like the president said uh, this morning on Fox you know, they're everywhere. They're the ones that uh, attacked an oil facility uh, that was Saudi down by Yemen. They are funding everyone, the Houthis. They're funding every single terrorist organization. And it has to make you wonder, how are they making this money? And of course, the president is saying, oh, they're never going to have nuclear weapons. They have a lot of uranium. So they can have nuclear weapons if they want to. And that's a fact. But this is almost identical this execution of plan uh, from the talks to the actions is almost identical to that of the tanker wars. And the tanker wars happened in the 80s. I was a kid, still had milk teeth um, when it happened. But it's really, really important for us to remember history. Okay? We have to remember history because this is the only way we can see what is really going on and how we can really, really fix this. So the tanker war was, um, was based as uh, people say through religious and political, you know, conflict between Iran and Iraq. Okay. So they started this war between themselves in 1984. It ended in 1988, but it actually started in 1980. And it's one of the largest um, country wars of the 20th century, which I find a little bit odd to say because in the 70s when Turkey took over Cyprus and they still occupy half of it, I think that one's a little bit worse, but okay. So what happened was in the tanker war, you know, Iraq would attack Iran ships. Iran would attack uh, Iraq ships. It was it was pretty huge because Iran trapped and destroyed Iraqi ships in their port. 
uh, during the early stages, we're talking like early 1980s, 1981s in, in the, uh, the Gulf of Oman, right? And uh, they would um, attack uh, ships that were going or coming to Iranian ports uh, and um, to the northern part of the Gulf of Iraq, sorry. Uh, and they continued doing this uh, through 1984 because between themselves, they were at war. Why? And I'll tell you what happened. So at that point, they were fighting over a passage of pipelines. So what Iran had successfully done is build overground pipelines uh, to um, distribute their oil. And Iraq was offered the opportunity to link up with Iran and Iraq refused. Saddam Hussein said no. Because he didn't approve of working with Turkey. And I've said this before. Turkey has always been ousted by the Arab community. Iran, on the other hand, was working how? Remember, the regime in 1980 was placed up there by who? Peter Strzok's daddy, right? Went there in 1978 and installed the Khamenei regime. Okay? So they were doing what they were employed by the CIA to do. So they created this um, nation that was uh, aggressive in nature, but not really, because they got a lot of money uh, from the World Bank, uh, from uh, the European Union, uh, which at the time was already formulated with a few states, but only on the economic basis. They They hadn't merged borders yet or anything like that. And from the United States. And they got a lot of money to create these pipelines. Syria was a problem. Libya was a problem. Iraq was a problem. They did not want to budge. They said, no, we are not working with them. If they want oil, they can get ships, come and buy it at the market price as the market depicts. Americans didn't like that. Europeans didn't like that. And that's the way it went. So we actually got in there uh, by uh, using these um tank wars, the tanker wars. So Iran started initiating um, attacks on ships all the time. So like, just so you know, in the Persian Gulf, right, in 1981, five Iraqi ships were taken out. In 1982-22, of them. 1984-15 of them, and then at that point, Iraq fought back and 18 went down. 85, 33 ships. Iran, 14. 86, 66 ships. And Iran, 45. 1987, 88 Iraqi ships were destroyed and 91 Iranian ones. This is how, you know, everything escalated. And this is how it went. But here's the weird things. The attacks on the ships that were being done in the Gulf, right? You have to understand in in the Hormuz Strait, we're all really odd because, you know, lots of uh, ships go through there, but we didn't see much on, um, you know, U.S. ships, only two of them, only two Soviet ones, you know, Uh, not many ships uh, from the UAE. It just seemed that they were very selective going to countries that couldn't really respond, 
So most of the ships that were taken out were from Liberia, from Iran, from Panama, from Cyprus, from Greece, and Malta. Eight of them were from Kuwait. Eight of them were from Saudi Arabia and seven from Turkey. And then, you know, it goes down to, you know, uh, less and less and less as you get to more developed nations, like, which is what, what's going on here? So it seemed that all these ships were being taken out uh, selectively, okay, uh, to selective type. And the majority of the attacks were done, 187 of the total um, boats attacked uh, in the Gulf were done by rockets, missiles, or grenades. Ten of them were with mines, and then... Um, other, there were other methods used that were not defined, 129 different other ways that they did it that's not by gunfire and it's unknown. So there were casualties of people um, uh, being killed. It was over 100 people wounded. About It was close to 200 people. And missing were about, you know, under 50 people. And this is how it went. So all of this was happening all of these attacks were happening, and it was pretty much the same thing. And at that time, the United States of America, the CIA, was hinting that yellow cake uranium was being exported uh, from Niger to um, to uh, Iraq, which was never identified as correct. So what people need to understand is that this has happened before. This was done through Iraq, and in the end, it was um, Kuwait, okay? So when it happened, Iran was blocking the Iraqi exports of oil uh, through the uh, the Shat al-Arab uh, way. Um, and this is how the war with Iran was... The Iranians basically were turning on the Iraqis, okay? So they were fighting between themselves. Syria had totally closed their border off, closed the pipeline that Iraq had with them to the Mediterranean. Like they shut it down. That simple overground pipeline, they shut it down. They were like, look, we're not dealing with this business. We don't need these people in our country. Uh, you know, we're just going to stay out of it. And so it was everybody against Iraq. Why? Right? Remember, the narrative when we entered Iraq was weapons of mass destruction that we never got. So Iraq, you know, was completely shunned. And um, But if you notice, all the Arab states of the Middle East were not concerned so much with Saddam Hussein. They were more concerned about Iran's actions. That is what happened. And then what happened? Suddenly, suddenly, right? Iran starts to align with Turkey, Turkey. So the weird thing is, is that there were, um, you know, pipelines that were built um, across uh, the Red Sea and um, the desert to head into Turkey. So Jordan decided that they're going to do business again from Iraq and they started trading again. And so they started, uh, Iraq started to export stuff um, out to Kuwait and other Arab states. So that is how, you know, Iraq got funds. So when the war went forward, you know, uh, Iran was attacking all the tankers carrying Iraqi oil from Kuwait. So <clears throat> Iraq would give their oil to Kuwait and Kuwait would ship it out. And any of the Arab states in the Middle East that had Iraqi oil, Iran would attack, okay? Just so you know. So why would Iran shun just Iraq? Because it was the plan. 
Because in 1987, at some point, Kuwait said, I need the United States to intervene. We need, they, they, they literally came out to us and said, we need protection for our tanker fleets. You need to come and escort us. That's something that President Trump said. If we have to escort them, we'll escort them. But we won't shut it down. And so suddenly we had U.S. warships patrolling. That's it. And then what happened? You know, obviously uh, there were uh, crossfires. Uh, you know, we had uh, losses of our own sailors. Um, Iraq uh, was apologizing for it. Um, and, you know, obviously the incident didn't happen. It was the U.S., Iraq, and the Saudi forces that collaborated. And then, you know, Iran actually justified their actions by accusing the U.S. of helping Iraq, which was so weird. It's like PSYOP warfare. It's like that, you know, that crazy friend that causes drama so that you can flip on the other friend and then flips it on you. This is psych warfare. We had installed this regime. We were funding these acts on Iraq because this is how we got our foot in the door. And this is why right after it, what did we do when we were in Kuwait and they gave us permission to go there and we had a contract for, you know, patrolling. What did we do in the nineties? Yup. We entered the middle East and what did we do in Kuwait? We trained ISIS. And then what did we do? We went in and we took Iraq. And in order to justify it to the people of the United States post 9-11, we said there were weapons of mass destruction. Same thing when we went in and we did what we did in Benghazi. Same thing when Obama decided he's going to penetrate Syria. It's all about the oil and people don't seem to get it. This is a template action. The tanker wars were done to create players, kind of like in World War II, right? You know, everyone in Europe and Asia were fighting, right? Um, and on the African coasts, but the U.S. was kind of like, well, you know, it's far away. We're not getting involved. We're just going to stay out here until they were asked to help. They were asked to intervene or until they were instigated to come in. You know, then we had Pearl Harbor and then we had all this stuff going on. So people need to pay attention to history to understand how these things happen. Because if people actually knew what was really going on, they'd be real pissed. I mean, how pissed are you to find out 10 years after the fact, after destroying Iraq, that we went in there saying there were weapons of mass destruction, but there weren't any. Right. So how angry will you be if you found out that the only reason, you know, they're doing this whole tanker war template is to cause the United States to side with the European Union on how they deal with Iran? Because we're not going to go in there and take them out. That's not what we do. Not with this president. Not with this president. And so in one sense, it does bother me that we keep saying, oh, they're not going to have nuclear weapons. They're not going to do this. They don't even have the money to process the enriched uranium unless it was given to them by the European Union. And we have to remember that just a couple months ago, Merkel sent a, a plane full of money to Iran. So who stands to benefit from this? Like, why would you repeat the tanker wars? What is the objective? The objective is to shut down the Hormuz channel. The objective is to instigate more war because once we have the U.S. ships in there and they've already funded Iranian guys to flip on their own people and cause more issues, what makes you think that when we have our own Navy boats escorting that there won't be an attack by the Iranians? And yeah, there'll be actual Iranians, but it won't be at the guise of the Iranian government. So the Iranians already know what's up. 
The Supreme Leader's like, nah, man, the, the United States is doing this because they've done it before, right? We've done it before. But this time it's our allies trying to pressure the United States into that same situation. Because this is exactly what happened before Iraq is what it is today. And Iran doesn't want that. The United States obviously doesn't want that. But the European Union kind of wants that. Why? So let's pretend that we do shut down the Hermuz channel. Trade. Who benefits from that? Number one, it's who doesn't benefit. And that is the whole Far East, right? We're talking India, China, Mongolia, Australia, all of these people, all of these nations, South America, North America that purchase what? Oil from these countries, methane, naphtha, whatever it is that they produce, they get it from them. So now suddenly they can't get it from them. Who stands to benefit? Russia and the United States. Because a country like Australia will be like, okay, I'll buy some oil um, from Russia, some natural gas from the United States. Uh, You know, China will do the same. Japan will do the same. And then the European Union, it doesn't have to buy anything. Doesn't. Because the pipeline from Iran to Turkey is in place. And remember, with the sanctions that we put, Turkey's not complying with them, remember? They didn't comply with them on May 2nd. They said, look, man, we've already reduced it by 25% months and months ago. We're not doing it anymore because we have a deal with Iran. So what happens is the whole world's on fire buying oil from everywhere else except Iran since there's sanctions on Iran, except for Europe, which is not really purchasing it directly from Iran, but it's getting it from Turkey. So Europe has no problem in a disruption in their oil and gas industry or what they need because they've got Russia, they've got the Ukraine, and they've got Turkey. Turkey maintains its relations with Iran and stands by them at all times. It is a financial transaction. So if you want to get stuff from Iraq, Saudi Arabia, you got to be careful because you might get bombed, right? That's what they say. So if we shut it down, then what will people say? Well, we've seen this movie before. The Americans did it. Everybody knows it. They all orchestrated this tanker war working with Iran, you know, so they can get to Iraq, who supposedly had weapons of mass destruction. Same same poem is being recited. So mm, maybe the Americans did it so they can start selling their oil. Ergo, they're the enemy. And you'll be surprised how quick our allies become enemies. Your life can change within a second. You think that won't? We've already been coined the enemy by the European Union. They've already called us an enemy. So in the end, if Russia and U.S. increase their exports, what happens? No one's going to like us because they're going to be like, maybe you did it. I mean, you and the Soviets did this whole tanker war back then with NATO. And you got your foothold in the Middle East. And you got these pipelines going built. While there was war, we were building pipelines. How does that even make sense? So what someone has to see is, okay, Pompeo said Iranians did it. Yep, they were. They were Iranians on the boat. But did they actually, like, do it, do it? Because what sounds weird is that the story from the crews on the ship, the story from the supreme leader and his response, and even Abe is like, um, no, it didn't happen like that. Uh, They removed a mine from it, but it wasn't a mine, like, We actually saw stuff flying. I mean, my on the ground, you know, sources yesterday, I told you, the uh, Panamanian ship that had the Japanese crew, right? Which people are calling the Japanese ship, even though it was like Panamanian flag, whatever. Um, 
It was struck three times, not two times. Uh, one time was unsuccessful or it didn't cause any penetration. And the other two times it happened. It was labeled as a torpedo that was flying just over the waterline. Hence, uh, you know, the holes that people see. So the, the, it's a little bit odd that, you know, this happened. It's like the murderer going back to the crime scene to make sure the body's buried kind of thing. So everyone has to take it with a grain of salt. I understand what we see on video and what is put there. And maybe this indeed that we are siding with what the European union said, because they were the first ones that came out. And remember Russia stands to profit off of this. So why did they come out and say, uh, I don't think Iran did it. Uh, you shouldn't rush to judgment. This is a little bit weird. So people need to be more astute. Sometimes we say things so we can put it out and give the impression of yes, yes, yes. How many times did the president, you know, you're doing a great job, Comey. Next day, you're fired. So right now we're saying, yep, they did it. We saw them. They're on video. Done deal. And, you know, it makes you think, you know, who told them to go there and do this? I mean, they would get caught, right? Maybe it was, you know, they obviously know the technology that the U.S. has. Could it be a setup by the European Union? That's where I would put my money on. And maybe us rolling with the punches can pressure Iran to start, um, you know, talking. And I totally understand the response that the Iranian leader gave, which is like, no, we're not talking. And I said that yesterday. He's like, nope, he's not even worth my time. I don't trust him. Look at what they did. They attacked ships saying it's us. They're framing us because it's happened before. Okay. In the eighties, it's happened before. So, you know, we had the Iran Contra shit. Oops stuff going on we had you know uh the mina stuff going on we had installed the comedy we had done all that stuff in the 80s and obviously nobody trusts us nobody trusts the u.s on a policy thing and now president trump is changing that because people are trusting him people are investing their thoughts and their time in him the unfortunate thing is is that we have the mainstream media trying to uh invalidate his presidency trying to undermine his authority to instill what doubt from the other nations that he still has control because if he they can't impeach him right they can't kill him because they'll have a civil war right so they they couldn't stop him from being elected so what can they do they can kill his credibility by constantly attacking him by constantly putting out rhetoric and you know imagine how stupid we all look because the russians know they didn't meddle the Russians know they didn't do anything of that sort. The Russians know this. Imagine how dumb we look. Just imagine how dumb we look. Let's pretend, you know, you're Russian, right? And no, let's pretend that the that that you're the leader of the United States of America and, you know, suddenly France's government is saying, "Oh, you as president of the United States of America, you know, you let your army, your intelligence people come in and, you know, put their own agent. And now the president of France is an agent of the United States. And you're just like, what are you talking about? No, I didn't. And yet the rhetoric globally is saying the same thing. And you're thinking, you know, if it's this widespread, man, I don't know. I can picture Putin saying, I don't know, man, you really need to get it under control because everyone keeps saying it. And I'm worried that if we actually move through with these plans, if, uh, you know, all of us start to work and we 
get peace and we get prosperity and we get, you know, uh, uh, all these nations on board, it's going to be really hard because none of them want you there. Look at what they're saying. I mean, I, I could come out till I'm blue in the face saying I didn't meddle with us elections. They're still going to say it. You know, this is the, think about it. The psyops that is, that are going on on a global scale is insane. What happened in Iran yesterday was just ridiculous. And it was so in your face. I mean, I could just picture Abe, you know, with his shirt unbuttoned, sitting down in some harem with the Supreme leader smoking a cigarette and just being like, dude, what is going on? And they're like, well, I think it's the United States. And now they're telling Abe it's the United States. So Abe is going to be like, can I really trust Trump? This is how it goes. This is how circles of pockets of, of, of the mistrust happen. It's purposeful. I mean, think about it. Why would Iran be sitting down with Abe where they actually have deals together, where they actually have open parlay? Like I said, Abe is that dude in that group of friends that can, you know, talk with the enemy and roll with the enemy. But in the end, his foundations are good and he will always align with good. Well, he's sitting there and now they're attacking a ship that he, his country is commissioned and he's like, yo, what's going on? Supreme leader, dude, like what's happening? And I could just picture him smoking and saying, this is crazy. And he's like, yo, let me show you the proof. Look what the Americans did in the eighties with the tinker wars I'm telling you they're doing this. They are totally doing this. And so Abe is probably sitting like, yeah, you know, I heard this before our intelligence in Japan said so the Russian intelligence said so European intelligence said so Iraqi results said so Kuwait said so you might be right. Can we really trust Trump? Ha. There we go. Doubt. So when you can't impeach someone, when you can't kill someone, what do you do? You destroy the ties he has with other nations. And this is exactly what's happening. And so the president has decided to roll with it and say, all right, guys, let's roll with it. I'm going to go with the, yeah, Iran did it. Where are we going with this? Let me see what your plan is because this is, I could smell it because you've got the MSM constantly 24-7 pushing this, but I want to see where you're going with this because doing this is going to harm a lot of people and instead of them getting angry with me, they're going to get angry with you. And what makes you think that right now, as we speak, Japanese, Chinese, and Middle Eastern nation intelligence communities haven't figured out who did it. Highly doubt it. They already know. So this seed of doubt that they've sowed may indeed be eliminated with the correct negotiations and the correct talks. And that will show itself over the weekend and um, set the tone for Monday. But that is exactly what's going on here. It is just another way to take down President Trump. Because it takes a very strong leader to make peace. An idiot can create war. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr. and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our legal defense fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate... Go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. 
Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978-855-700-2978-855-700-2978. That's 855-700-2978. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep Zero. within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's 1-800-961-9194, promo code Red State. Put sleepless nights behind you with My Pillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So this is the last half hour, and I've kind of broken down what um, has been happening in Iran, both positions, many positions, so we can see it. The bottom line is the only one that stands to benefit is the European Union. Bottom line. That is the only nation right now uh, that we can see is benefiting from it, and they are enjoying every moment of it. So on that note, let's just wait to Monday uh, to see more coming out because we are seeing that Japanese reporting is totally conflicting what the U.S. is saying. And the U.S. is just reiterating what the European Union came out first to say with um, quite, um, quite incredible speed. Now... Uh, let's shift gears and talk uh, local shinding happenings, right? Like garbage that's happening in D.C. First of all, let's talk. Let's play a short four second clip of wh- how Bernie Sanders intends to win the race. I suspect that a lot of people in this country would be delighted to pay more in taxes. I su- yep. Everyone's going to be delighted to pay more in taxes. This guy is insane. If you're running with saying you'll totally love paying more taxes, you're toast. 
Okay, done. No one's going to love paying more taxes. Not even the loser liberals, the stone cold loser liberals that don't make any dollars dollars because if they're not making any dollars dollars, there's no free dollars dollars to go around. And none of them will be busting their butt to get a job that pays them a hundred thousand dollars a year to only enjoy twenty five thousand of it. So mm, pretty, 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 pretty weird. Uh, so another thing that I wanted to play and you know what's funny? Gosh darn it. Every time I mention someone, hmm, hmm, they suddenly come up. Remember how I talked about Valerie Jarrett? How I said she was Obama's handler? How I said she lives with Obama? Well, lo and behold, boom, she appears on Fox. Let's take a listen to what she has to say. President Trump, I'm on the TV. I turn, turn off. off the TV quite often. It's not good for my blood pressure. She's on TV a lot. <laughs> it's it? just, it's a. I think that it. I just, um, I hunger for the for the days where we do have a calmer temperament, where um, we know that the person's really looking out for us, for all of us, and not so focused on themselves. All and right. So, so, yes. so you're not a fan. That's not a Fox alert. But no, that's that is not a Fox uh, alert. The president is under some uh, controversy today for saying to George Stephanopoulos that if he had dirt on a foreign entity or from a foreign entity on an opponent, uh, he would listen. What do you think of that? Well, I think by his own FBI director's um, words, that's something that you're not supposed to do. And why would we want anybody think putting their thumb on the scale for our election, right? So you have to ask yourself, well, why would they be giving you that information in the first place? Because they're trying to affect the outcome. But everyone wants to, right? I mean, you, you want to win. You or probably the administration was involved at the time on the dossier that was so controversial that Democrats, Republicans do this. They just don't. I don't it. think they do. Yeah. I don't think they do. If you, from what I've been hearing and from what I experienced when I was in the White House, that if you're contacted by a foreign official, you should call the FBI because. Oh, my God. Such BS. This is the woman that lives with Barack Obama. This is the Iranian handler that he has preaching to us what they're allowed to do. These people that have done so many backdoor deals with, uh, you know, foreign governments. It's disgusting. You know, the Steele dossier wasn't actually Steele's source, right? Let's break this down, okay? Because everybody keeps thinking that this MI6, ex-MI6 dude from the United Kingdom, you know, compiled all this and did it. Remember, he got sources. So uh, he even said it himself. He said that a, uh, a senior of Russian foreign ministry gave him information. A former top-level Russian intelligence officer still active in the Kremlin gave him information. And a senior Russian financial official also still, uh, you know, working uh, in the Kremlin. Uh, We've got tons more. And he also said more Kremlin officials. So, and they also had a, a Russian national that was a spy working at our U.S. embassy in Russia. So again, just to be clear, Steele didn't start writing a story and said once upon a time. He collated information that he paid for. He paid for, let's reiterate that, paid for to a foreign government. So Hillary Clinton, the DNC, Obama, all of them, paid foreign nationals, nationals of Russia for information for the dossier. They didn't just call them up and say, yo, I got some dirt. No, 
They were commissioned to get this information. So they paid Christopher, who Christopher paid sources within Russia. So that's American dollars going into Russian pockets so that they can collate some fake dossier. And you're going to tell me no problem with that. But President Trump saying, hey, if someone calls and says, I got some 411 for you. What's up? That's a problem. No, it's not. They give you the 411. And if they say something that's a crime, you could be like, yo, FBI. Uh, so my opponent, I don't know, Swallowell, <laughs> for example, I was just told by, uh, you know, Cuba that he owns two homes in Cuba and he has interest in uh, Venezuelan gold mines under his wife's name. Maybe you need to look into that. Uh, you know, this is great dirt for me, but I think this is a, you know, a violation of sanctions that we have on Cuba and on Venezuela. And if he owns properties in Cuba and he's profiting from it, and if he's got interest, like, you know, investment in gold mines in Venezuela, that should be investigated too. Cause that's a problem. See, that's what you do. You take a listen. And if there's a crime that shouldn't be happening by a person, that's when you tell. That's how it goes. Not this BS. Oh, no. You directly call the FBI saying someone's calling me to give me information. So lame. Such a lame argument. It makes me sick just listening to it. It's so ridiculous. But yeah, you know, hopefully the FBI will look into it. And did I say Swallowell? I should have said Blumenthal. Okay, so... Uh, further going, um, Meadows, uh, made some remark that was, um, pretty interesting. He said that, uh, a lot of whistleblowers are coming forward. And so this is interesting, but I also want to say that whistleblowers come in many shapes and forms. Some of them go through the process where they write it out and you know, they email, they call, they um, request protection. Other whistleblowers, uh, you know, do things on a more public scale, yet on very subtle lines, right? And what we are seeing is that the Department of Justice internally is still not working correctly. And this is something that Attorney General Barr needs to work on, too, uh, if he's going to stay. Because we're seeing that a lot of people have been reprimanded for things like crimes, for things like uh, abuse of, you know, money of the DOJ for personal gain, abuse of office for personal gain. You know, one guy even went as far as to use the Department of Justice to go after his ex-wife's boyfriend uh, by finding that he falsified some tax return by something like stupid, like 300 bucks just to make his life miserable and see all these clowns don't even go to jail some of them are still working within the department of justice and did maybe community service or whatever like the kleptomaniac that was stealing things and others were allowed to get retirement benefits so they were uh, you know forced retired and they got benefits kind of like the u.s marshal from north dakota paul ward that suddenly retired after his deputy marshal was caught with tons of pornography right? And like infants, right? Getting abused infants, like crazy stuff. So he went to jail and suddenly he resigned under, you know, code 302 that can be voluntary or involuntary. But with the uh, statements on the SF50, obviously you can see it's involuntary because all he got is retirement benefits, no health. So 
this is how they operate. They cover for their own because they were in it. So it's, it's, it's really important that, you know, we look at what's going internally and what's externally because it is a hot mess. And like President Trump said, the biggest achievement that he will have, aside from giving people the ability to a second chance that have gone to prison, and he made announcements on that yesterday, which was great, which is incentives to give these people a second chance, um, you know, the right to try, uh, the enormous tax cuts across the board, the reinjection of the economy. I mean, he's done so much, but this will be the greatest achievement, which is to Pull back the curtain because even some people who think they can see behind the BS, they still can't because they're like, nah. And it's like, yeah. So this will be one of his greatest achievements. And a lot of people, just like Meadow said on Hannity, people need to go to jail and they need to be held accountable and indictments are on their way. Yes, they are. But we have to make sure that Horowitz is on that same page. I want to listen to a clip from uh, Jason Shaftes uh, from yesterday on Fox that the president tweeted out this morning. Um, no, he tweeted out yesterday afternoon. Take a listen. Jason Chaffetz is a former Utah congressman and a Fox News contributor. Mr. Chaffetz, good morning to you. So, so willing to listen. How did that sit with you when you heard the president say that in this new interview? Well, you need to listen to what he said first. He said he would do both. He would inform the FBI and he would listen. If you thought it was wrong, he would escalate it uh, to the FBI. This this foe, this fake outrage from the left and the media is is just it's part of a pattern here. You remember, it was Hillary Clinton's husband, the former president, President Clinton, who I think it was 11 times took more than five hundred thousand dollars for a speech 11 times while Secretary Clinton was the acting Secretary of State and presumably a candidate for the presidency of the United States. There was no outrage on that. They were expecting taking $500,000 out of Russia, for instance, and other countries. It's come on. They, they are faking the idea that they're exasperated by the president's answer. Of course, he can listen. Got it. Obviously, Republicans are, are, are seizing on the criticism from the left this morning to point out that hypocrisy. But when the president specifically said, and I'll read his words directly, if I thought there was something wrong, I'd go maybe to the FBI if I thought there was something wrong. How did that sit with you? I think the president, he, first he said he would do both. Then he said that. I think that's just fine. Remember, that is markedly different than what Hillary Clinton did by proactively spending millions of dollars overseas to engage somebody, a foreign national, to dig up dirt on her opponent. The, the, the president isn't suggesting that he would proactively do that. But if somebody approached him, every single campaign I know of would listen to that material uh, first. They absolutely would. Well, I'll tell you who did take it issue with that, and that is presidential candidates Joe Biden and Elizabeth Warren. Biden tweeting this out saying, quote, President Trump's once again welcoming foreign interference in our elections. This isn't about politics. This is a threat to our national security. An American president should not seek their aid and abet those who seek to undermine democracy. Warren tweeted, the Mueller report made it clear a foreign government attacked our 2016 elections to support Trump. Trump welcomed that help, and Trump obstructed the investigation. Now, he said he'd do it all over again. It's time to impeach Donald Trump. Before I move on, clearly you can see, Jason, that the left is using this as an opportunity to further call for impeachment of this president. 
for the president to say he would listen, they're going to impeach him. That You know what? I'm tired of the impeachment talk. If they're going to impeach him, go ahead and do it. Go ahead and look at that Mueller report because it exonerates the president. And if they keep talking about that, then we'll keep reminding the American people that Mueller found nothing on the president. So, okay, again, the same thing happens, you know, what is going on? How is this going on? And why is it going on? Because they want to keep the rhetoric of impeachment alive, uh, which is pure insanity, if you ask me, whatever, right? We can't, we can't stop them from saying the same thing over and over and over and over again. Ah, but I wanted you guys to listen uh, to a report uh, that was uh, put out in November, just so that you understand the EU comment that I made, because we were actually declared an enemy of the European Union. We're watching it live here as he landed in Paris for the commemoration of the 100-year anniversary of the end of World War One. He'll join leaders this weekend from dozens of other countries. Now, just before he landed with the First Lady, the president took to the Twitter, and he wrote this. President Macron of France has just suggested that Europe build its own military in order to protect itself from the U.S., China, and Russia. Very insulting. But perhaps Europe should first pay its fair share of NATO, which the U.S. subsidizes greatly. Michael O'Hanlon joins us now from Brookings, where he's a foreign policy senior fellow. And I'm sure that will shake up the weekend meeting a little bit. Michael, what did you think of the president's tweet? Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. And, and good for President Trump going to this commemoration and good for you for noting it. It is a very important date. It's the 100th anniversary of the end of World War One. Even though we don't have those amazing veterans with us any longer, it's still a day in history mm-hmm. worth commemorating. And I'm glad Mr. Trump is there. So having said that, and now getting to this issue, I think that President Macron a couple of days ago chose some unfortunate words when he said something that actually President Trump should have liked, because what he was basically saying is Europe should do more. As you know, Uh oh, see, this is where you find hacks, because Merkel said it, Macron said it, Juncker said it. And just on the 31st of May, they actually had the EDA, the European Defense Agency, come forward and say that They have just received a letter notifying 23 member states that are participating and they're hoping that more come in to embark on a permanent structure of cooperation on the defense of Europe. And they also said that, you know, more states should be joining that have declined at first instance because they need to build European Union of Security and Defense against nations like Russia China and the United States, though they say uh, it's no longer a dream and it wasn't something that they conjured when they created the EU 60 years ago, they said it's a reality that is coming true now. And so now that it's coming to fruition, we need to understand just how important it is to project and develop defense capabilities together. Okay, and that they have to work together to manage and prevent crises from um, and strengthen our partners and the European defense will continue to scale up because that is what is needed. And they say that these states of the European Union are not just building the EU army, you know, to defend themselves against bad actors like Russia, China and the United States. 
but in essence to contribute more to NATO. They're not contributing financially, but they're going to contribute army-wise. Pretty incredible, huh? So this is where we're at. These are tensions that people are not seeing. These are notions that are not being played out to the people. And the European Union joining military forces in, uh, uh, to defend themselves against other nations means that they have to defend themselves for something. And what is that? To defend the idea of a European Union, of a new global order. And again, I urge you to pay attention. Why is the European Council headquarters not in Europe, but geographically in the center between Eurasia and Kazakhstan? People need to start paying closer attention to what is really going on because no one is giving it to you. And, you know, it's so hard to put it together sometimes because they make it so difficult for people to identify. So um, further on that, just so you know what is going on, we have uh, the Democrats, the insane Democrats, setting up a day uh, next week. Uh, it was Wednesday it was announced that they're going to sit down and talk about reparations. What? So my family never owned slaves in the United States, but I'm going to pay money to someone because of their skin color and, you know, apologize for things that happened before. Well, you know, that sounds odd. That sounds super weird when there's slavery going on right now in Africa with nations. We should start asking those NGOs down there that are owned by all these Congress persons, former presidents, right? What they're doing down there. We should ask China what they're doing down there. You know, this is the most ridiculous thing I've seen. This is pure insanity. Pushing to pay people money because... Maybe they are related to someone that was sold by their own people as slave labor. We should pay the money back now for hundreds of years ago because they were sold by their own people to be slaves. Like, okay, so because your tribe leader or your president of your nation or your village, whatever you want to call it, mayor of your city, sold you to a bunch of Brits and, and sold you as cattle to be workforce, what we call now, what is it, living help maids, right? To do all that and then farmers, you know. But instead of getting paid, you just got fed and you were given, you know, room and board and it wasn't really good you weren't having any privileges but you know we have modern day slavery right we do and this is called illegal migrants that are being used this is called human and child trafficking that are sold into households that are kept in households where they take their passports their identity and say you're going to live here you're going to rub my feet when i want you to you're going to lick my floor and here's a room in the basement that you can sleep in do you know how many people have people like that around tons. So it is slave labor when someone sells you to someone because you weren't theirs in the first place, right? But why should I pay for it? Why should you pay for it? Where are they coming up with it? Like, this is how purely insane it is. We have people crying in 2019 because someone that may have been a relative of theirs was working on a plantation. Instead of saying, wow, my ancestor was sold like cattle. My ancestor was a slave and worked their butt off on a plantation. 
But if they never were sold and if they never toiled and labored and died and worked and did whatever, I wouldn't be here today. That's how you see it. Because I'll tell you what, my family from my Greek side were slaves because the Turkish Ottoman Empire had enslaved all of Greece between 1421 and 1821, so much that they would rape the women, right, and then push them off cliffs because they felt like it. They burned down all the churches and they had them uh, farming. They had them doing everything for them. So do we start asking for reparations from, from Turkey? I mean, they're not even acknowledging the genocide of the Armenians. Let's talk about reparations. What about the Turkish invasion of Cyprus that just happened like 40, 40 somewhat 50 years ago? What about all those people that were killed? And what about all those people that abandoned their homes on that side of Cyprus? And it just happened 50 years ago where they took over that land. Where's the reparations for that? But we're going to pay someone based on their color of their skin money because they may be linked or they may be genetically linked to someone that at some point suffered down their timeline. Are you kidding? So, I mean, what are we going to do now? Hold, you know, England accountable to pay us reparations because your great, great, great grandfather fought in, you know, the, the revolution and was killed by a Brit. I mean, come on guys, this, this is insanity. How is this even allowed in 2019 to happen? How are we allowing these clowns to do this? It's like a circus. Congress is a circus when it's run by these Democrats. It is a pure circus. And I know why it's a circus. Because they have no, no, no ounce of respect for the institution that they are sitting on. They have been so drunk on power that they believe that they can get away with it. And all they do is push the narrative until President Trump is gone and we reinstall someone that can continue the plan that has been initiated from the days of yore. That's basically it. They are butthurt. They will do everything instead of help propel our nation forward. I do not see how this is even remotely okay in our nation to even be discussed. It's just, it's just horrible. So today I am waiting for some announcement. I know we're going to have new hires, uh, new people being confirmed. Uh, you know, we've got also for Border Patrol, you know, they're being stymied. Uh, we have so much going on next week. It's ridiculous. Now, on that note, I just wanted to close. So today was the final hearing and they set the court date for extradition uh, in February of 2021. So it was approved to go forward. And now that is where the decision is going to be made in February 2020. Kind of fresh, kind of close to the election. So I kind of like that. Uh, even though I would have liked it before Christmas, February 2020 is okay because obviously it gives them 60 days to hand them over because his sentence was only 11 months. Though, having said that, we have people already pandering for appeals to UK court, appeals to the EU Human Rights Council, and just like I said, that could take over 30 years. He'll be dead before it's even heard. So we need to um, put more pressure on the United Kingdom and get that sorted out because the Assange thing, it's driving me insane. Like he has the keys to the kingdom and we, we are sitting with our thumbs up our butt right now. So 
and lots happening over the weekend. We should see things moving in regards to the Gulf, uh, the Gulf of Oman uh, and the Iraqi Gulf and the relations there. So there will be a lot of developments over the weekend in regards to foreign policies we will see and um, how the European Union reacts to this, too. Uh, so next week is going to be pretty boom, boom, boom constantly. Uh, we're going to have new faces coming in. We're going to have old faces going. Uh, it's going to be interesting. And, um, you know, hey, guys, remember, I always play uh, General Flynn's defense fund. Please, if you have an extra dollar, anything will help help him fund his defense fund so we can help Sidney Powell withdraw his plea agreement so he can get on with his life. And hopefully, hopefully. Join the Make America Great Again. Train actively. On that note, I want to wish you all a great weekend. And from all of us here at Red State, God bless. A long way from